You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And here's your host, Aram Layton. This is Locked On MLB Prospects, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton. I'm a prospect analyst and writer, as well as the founder of JustBaseball.com. It is the evening of July 1st. Happy July to everybody. We are already deep into this season, and there have been a lot of performers in the minor leagues that are now, it's gotten long enough now, where we're at 150, 200 plate appearances, where the guys that are performing, you got to look at them and say, okay, these guys are actually performing and we got to start paying attention to them and I'm going to talk about some of those guys some you may have already had on your radar some maybe not as much I'm going to give my thoughts on some of the breakout candidates and some of the players that I believe should be getting some more attention this year there's been a lot of pop-up prospects this year, which makes sense, right? Because we didn't have a season last year and there was so much time for players to make physical strides, to make improvements with their approach, to make improvements with their swing. There's so many different things that certain prospects have improved on and you're seeing certain breakout guys in this year. And that's the one cool thing about the year off. There's not very many cool things about it, but it was an opportunity for the harder workers and the guys that needed some more one-on-one time with trainers or needed some more time on their own to iron out some of the kinks in their swing or whatever it may be, or just to get healthy. How about that? There are some positive spins. Of course, you always want to get as many real live at-bats as you can, but there were some positives, and I'm sure some of these players that have enjoyed a massive breakout are going to attest to the fact that they were able to do a lot over the last year and improve on some of their issues or limitations. So I'm going to start with somebody that I believe is getting on everybody's radar that pays attention to the minor leagues, and I assume if you listen to this podcast, you pay attention to the minor leagues, and it's Jose Miranda. Jose Miranda, I'll be honest, right? I was listening back to some of the podcasts from earlier this year, and I was pretty happy with some of the guys, the underrated prospects that I identified heading into this year, and I thought they'd been doing pretty well, Gabriel Moreno being one of them, but I'll be honest, Jose Miranda was not even in the vicinity of my radar. I was not even paying attention to anything to do with Jose Miranda, but man, has that guy forced everybody to pay attention to him. Miranda just got the call up to AAA, and you know what he did in his AAA debut? He hit three jacks in his debut in AAA, and his numbers on the year are insane insane. And this is at the double A level. So a little bit more of a background on him. He was the third pick in the competitive balance B round. So that's 73rd overall. And a guy that admittedly should have been more on my radar than he was. I obviously, and I don't think anybody thought he was going to break out to this degree, but still he has some tools. And as I look back at some of the older videos, I was thinking, man, why wasn't I paying attention to this guy? But you know what? Sometimes guys slip through the cracks and he definitely did. But the numbers this year, exclusively including the three home runs in AAA. So just in AA before he exploded in his first ball game, he had 13 jacks in 47 games, a 345, 408, 588 slash line. That's good for a 163 WRC plus. And he is not striking out 11% K rate, 8% walk rate. And this is the big thing with Miranda. He has, and from, I watched so many at-bats to catch up on the information on him and just get my own notes on him. I didn't want to be uh, biased based on the numbers that were happening this year and everything that he's doing this year. So I watched a bunch of the old video first. I wanted to see what his issues were, what his limitations were before 
this breakout because he did flash the power. He had 13 home runs in 104 games in A ball in 2018, and he had similar numbers of an 11% K rate and 6% walk rate. So he's bumped the walk rate up a little bit, and the K rate's pretty consistent. And then he did the same thing in 2019. Not as much power, only eight home runs in 118 games. That was in high A ball, but 5% walk rate, 11% K rate. So that's been pretty consistent for him. The difference this year is that he's hitting for a lot more power. He looks more physical. And again, the two guys that I'm going to talk about here, I'll tease the next guy as well, who's Joe Perez. And Joe Perez is another second round pick who's really put it together. Both guys out of high school. So yes, they were drafted. I think Miranda 2016, Perez 2017. So while that was a little while ago, they're still both very young. Miranda's 23 and Perez still hasn't even turned 22 yet. So they're still young in terms of their professional career. And again, no season last year. So with Miranda and Perez, they both have found ways to control their body a lot more. With Miranda, he's got a very aggressive approach, which often resulted in him being up on his front foot and going to get the baseball. He has cut that down quite a bit. With that, so has his pull rate. That has dropped a pretty good deal, down to about 43%. It was at 50% the year prior, or the minor league season prior in 2019, where in high A, he was yanking everything. Thing. He's staying back on his backside and back hip a little bit better, or actually a lot better, I should say. And he's just making more impact on the baseball. So more physical, better lower half, better body control. And he's getting into that back hip more. That seems to be the key for a lot of these young hitters. He is a little bit more patient now as well. The walk rate is higher than we've ever seen it. 8% would put him right about at league average, which a guy like Miranda, if he can walk at a league average rate, he's in really good shape because the strikeout rates have not jumped at all, even though I'm sure he's being pitched to very differently now that he's a legitimate power threat. I mean, 13 home runs in 47 games is pretty absurd. And now make that actually 16 home runs in 49 games after that AAA performance. So he has a lot going for him. And I think the fact that he's been able to tone down the uber-aggressive approach, the fact that he's been able to, with that, tone down his body and allow the ball to come to him a bit more and really just pick up the spin, pick up the pitch instead of predetermining his swings, which it seemed like he was doing from the video that I was watching and oftentimes jumping at the baseball, whereas now he's not doing that as much. Miranda is a guy that I think is going to get a call up by the end of this year if he's already hitting in AAA the way he is. And he's interesting. He's one of those players that you can't say, even though he is one of the best hitters in the minor leagues, this year, you can't say for sure that he's going to just automatically mash in the majors. He could hit some kind of wall, but he has really seemed to figure something out and all of a sudden is a viable prospect in this twin system. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do in AAA because Double A, yes, that's still a very high level, and typically the double A to triple A adjustment is different for each kind of player. The type of player that usually struggles with that adjustment is the uber aggressive one because the stuff in triple A is not necessarily better than the stuff in double A. In fact, it could be a little bit worse in terms of quality. The difference is most of these guys in triple A are good at exploiting your weaknesses and they're good at commanding their pitches because they're older, more experienced, maybe even have been in the big leagues and are between teams and trying to get back there and they all have much better command and know how to get hitters like you out. They've already seen a ton of super aggressive hitters through their minor league career and they've been able to exploit those guys. That's how they got to where they are. So that's why those aggressive swingers tend to struggle more in AAA. That's why I'm excited to see how Miranda is able to adjust there. So far, he has three home runs in two games. So I would say so far, so good for Miranda. We'll see if he can still maintain that 8% walk rate and 
get that consistency and keep the strikeout rate below 12% like he has for basically his entire minor league career. Really excited to see Miranda continue, and he's got a lot going for him at the plate right now. I'm not too sure about his defense. It was hard to watch much video of him. I'm going to try to watch some live games to get some more information on that defense, but he seems like he is agile enough to be able to play third or second base. And that's all I can really say. He looks like he's an above average to average runner. uh, But there's a lot more that goes into that than just running when it comes to fielding. So I can't really speak to that too much. But he is definitely not a a slug uh, in the field. So should be able to play second and third. And he seems to have a good enough arm from what I've seen in a limited video. Next up is Joe Perez. And Joe Perez is someone I'm excited to talk about. Because he was a second round pick out of high school. And I actually faced Joe Perez. He went to Archbishop McCarthy, which is one of the most well-known baseball programs in South Florida. And that school is just a pipeline for talent. They've had guys like Alex Avila come out of there. Of course, Nick Castellanos, Danny Farquhar, and just a ton of really talented Division I players. Joe Perez now being one of those guys as well that was really good. But I thought Perez was going to be more so a pitching prospect because he threw 97 miles per hour. (laughs) He threw 97 miles per hour. When we faced him, it was like, holy crap. Yes, he could swing it. He could definitely swing it, but he was a bit raw at the plate. He was a big, strong dude that just kind of hacked. And when I saw he was drafted in the second round out of high school, I figured, okay, maybe as a two-way guy, but they're really focusing on him as a pitcher since he throws upper 90s. But no, they were really focusing on him as a hitter, the Astros were, and they seemed to be right about him as a hitter. He missed some time with Tommy John surgery, I believe, and then finally was able to get going in 2019. He had a rough start to his professional career in 2019, but it was only 50 games, and that was largely the start. He only had four games played in 2018 in rookie ball, so I don't even really count that. 2019 was his debut at 19 years old in low A, plays 50 games, and struggled. He only hit 188, but he did hit seven home runs and posted a lackluster 83 WRC+. Now, he comes into 2021 with that year to work on things, and that was it, right? He only had 50 games under his belt heading into this year, had a full year to just get better, improve, use 2019 as fuel for 2021, and this time off has been great for him. I can't express how good Joe Perez has been this year. So the numbers so far, because that's the best way I can express it. He's hitting 331, 405, 623. That's a 1,028 OPS, which is also absurd. 10 jacks in 38 games. And most impressively, he is not striking out that much at all. He's kept the strikeout rate at 20% so far this season. He started the year in A-ball, and after 12 games, they're like, okay, he's too good for this level. So they moved him up to high A. And then in 25 games in high A, he hit eight jacks and still kept the strikeout rate under 20% and was walking just a hair over 9% of the time and was spraying the ball all over the field. 354, 413, 707 slash line in those 25 games in high A. So they said, you know what? Let's boost him up to double A. And now he's just getting started in double A. He's only got one game under his belt so far, which is also crazy. So he started in A ball and has already played his way up to double A in a span of 37 games. That kind of shows you how impressive he's been at the plate. And Joe Perez, I've been watching the video on him. He has one of the most effortless swings I've seen in the minor leagues for the power that he produces. I really mean that. Like one of the most effortless swings. It seems like he He's yawning as he swings like that is how casual it is and produces 
crazy power. And that's the great thing for Perez. And I think that's why the Astros were able to move him up so quickly. They're looking at his swing and saying, this guy can catch up to anything. This guy doesn't have a lot of movement and he's going to be able to hit any kind of pitching. That's what I've seen from him. It's another guy, as I alluded to earlier, that has quieted down the lower half, has gotten more control of his body, and he probably realized in the time off, wow, I'm a great athlete. Not only do I throw 97 on the mound, I have quick twitch movements. I can generate a lot of bat speed without a lot of effort. So why would I have any extraneous movements if I'm blessed with this ability to develop power without having to move? Why make it any harder to time things up? And that's exactly what has worked out for him is he's made it as simple as possible to time things up. There's almost no movement in his swing and he just explodes on the baseball. And that's why I'm really excited about Joe Perez. Not to mention he's a third baseman who clearly has a plus arm. He moves well. He should be an above average defender at third Look out for this guy. The Astros have a piece here. He was drafted in the second round for a reason. 53rd overall back in 2017. He's still not even 22 years old yet. So even though he was drafted four years ago, still not even 22 years old. He is a dude. And I will give you a little bit of a teaser here. I think he's going to be right on the brink of just baseball's top 100 list and may even just break through if he has a good little stretch here in AA. But I've loved what I've seen from that simple swing. And he has a lot going for him at the plate, not to mention the fact that he has not struck out much and he's been walking a good deal with that effortless power. It's a lot of fun to watch Joe Perez play. I'm going to talk about one or two other standout prospects and then also my quick thoughts on Jesus Sanchez, who just got the vote of confidence from the Marlins in the trade of Corey Dickerson, because to me, that says we are ready to deploy Jesus Sanchez every single day. And as the guy that doubles as the Locked On Marlins host, I'm going to talk about what I've seen from Jesus Sanchez as somebody that I've been able to watch a lot at the major league level as well, and why the Marlins did feel uh, swayed to be able to say this guy can go every day for us moving forward and made Corey Dickerson expendable. I'm going to get to all of that in a moment. Before I get there, a reminder that this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Why pay 20, 30, or 50% more for the same auto parts from a chain store or a car dealership when you can just go to rockauto.com and use their easy-to-navigate website to find whatever car parts you need, any make or model. RockAuto.com is a family business serving the do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. RockAuto's got everything from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even the new carpet. Go check out their easy-to-navigate website today to find the solution to all of your auto parts needs. Go to RockAuto.com and see all the parts they have available for your car or truck right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto. Also brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and UFC and MMA action. Before next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device to see everything that they have to offer with bonuses and contest information. Head to that website, and if you use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's one word LOCKEDON, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So the other breakout prospect that I wanted to talk about as we tease Jesus Sanchez, there's another player in that Marlins system that has really been impressive. And I've been able to talk to some people in the Marlins system, some players, some coaches, and they've said 
this guy is for real. And of course, it's Marlins coaches and Marlins players, but typically players aren't going to go out of their way to say, yeah, this guy can really play in the minor leagues because they're all frankly just focused on getting to the next level themselves. And I don't blame them. But everybody that I've talked to that's got to see this guy up close has been really impressed. And it's Troy Johnston, who is in the Marlin system. He is older, just turned 24 years old nine days ago. So he does have a little bit of time against him, meaning that you would expect a 24-year-old in high A ball to perform, but regardless, he has performed incredibly well. And another guy that I really like how smooth and simple the swing is from the left side. When you have a swing that is that simple, something I always say on this podcast, right, is like if you can generate power with as little effort as possible, just like a pitcher who can generate velocity with as little effort as possible, that's a dream. That's the best case scenario. For Johnson, the power was always the question. And now it seems like it's creeping in more. He's put on about 15 pounds of muscle, maybe even more than that. He's more physical and we're seeing that translate. In 2019, he put together some good numbers as well in low A where he slashed 277, 373, 399. So there was the lack of power, still a 135 WRC plus. He was a 17th round pick by the Marlins in 2019. So comes into this season as a 24 year old or about to turn 24 and was starting in A ball. So you would expect him to hit there and that's exactly what he did. He hit 350 through those 24 games. Then he gets the call up to high A, and through 26 games so far, he's at seven jacks, he's slashing 337, 419, 653, it's a 181 WRC+, and he is only striking out 20% of the time, walking 10% of the time, and even hit for the cycle a week ago, which is also just really impressive. He's gone opposite field 40% of his batted balls, and has done it with authority. His home run to fly ball rate has drastically improved, telling me that he's hitting the ball a bit harder than he ever was as more of them that are in the air are getting out of the yard. And anytime you have almost an 1100 OPS in high A through 26 games, I think you're worthy of some attention, not to mention hitting for the cycle. So look out for Troy Johnson. Yes, he's a little bit older. Double A is going to be the big test for him, but I like the approach. I think he's really advanced up there at the plate. Yes, he is older, but I do think that that approach will translate to the next levels, and he could be a legitimate above-average lefty-hitting corner outfielder if he continues on this trajectory. Next guy that I wanted to talk about is an arm, right? I got to talk about a pitcher, and it is Xavier Curry, who has been very good for a system that is very good at developing arms. Cleveland Indians, they have done a great job, as we know, developing pitchers. And Xavier Curry out of Georgia Tech was a seventh round pick in 2019. We haven't had a chance to see him pitch at all. This is really the first time we've seen him in pro baseball. He was shut down after throwing a lot of pitches at Georgia Tech, a lot of innings, I should say, in that collegiate season, and then didn't pitch last year, of course. So we've seen him now in 2021. He dominated A-ball, just picked apart the A-ball hitters, and now is doing the same thing in high A through his first three starts. What I've been impressed about with Xavier Curry is that he has really good command of three pitches. While he's not the biggest dude in the world at 5'11", 190, which may have hurt him a little bit with his draft stock, I really think he can throw, and he has shown that, and he's a really good athlete. That's the thing that I think really helps when you're a smaller guy. Max Meyer, I always like to cite, is something the Marlins liked about him is he was a two-way player at Minnesota, really athletic, so they weren't worried about the height because he's so explosive with the lower half and able to repeat his mechanics so well, and I'm never really worried about the height when they're athletic and there's not a ton of effort in their mechanics, and Xavier Curry doesn't have a ton of effort, and he repeats his mechanics really well, and heading out of high school and going into Georgia Tech, he was a pretty quality two-way player, even more of a hitter more so than a pitcher for a lot of his time through high school, so he is able to 
use that athleticism for himself on the mound. The fastball is above average, but he locates it really well. The slider flashes above average. The curveball is also potentially a plus pitch with the way he locates it, and the command has been spectacular. So overall, you got to be impressed with this guy, and he has only given up, which is amazing. Five earned runs in 40 innings so far this year. He's punched out 58 batters against just seven walks. That's one of the best K to BB ratios in all of the minor leagues. And again, when you're in a system like the Indians who develop pitchers so well, he's 22 years old, he's athletic, he's showing that he's ready for potentially a call up to double A. This could be another guy similar to Joe Perez that goes A ball, high A, and then quickly to double A. He's doing everything you need to see from him. And after not pitching in 2019, or after being drafted and then having the year off this past year to fully recover from what I believe was a little bit of a shoulder issue was what shut him down. I think you've got to have this guy on your radar, given the system, given and what he's doing and given his athleticism on the mound. Now, I want to talk about a guy that's at the big league level. And the Marlins just traded Corey Dickerson over to the Blue Jays. Dickerson's going to be on the shelf for a little bit still with an injury, but that's a trade for the Jays that helps them in an area that they were deficient. They didn't really have any left-handed bats in that outfield, and Lourdes Gurriel had really struggled against right-handed pitching, so he should help them. And I think Dickerson will benefit from being in more of a hitter's environment where the ball sails out of Buffalo uh, like no other, and it also sails really well out of Dunedin when they play there. But for Jesus Sanchez, this is great news if you own him in your dynasty leagues, if you own his cards, whatever it may be. This is all good for Jesus Sanchez because he has really not had the opportunity to get called up, even though he was demolishing AAA pitching. And what's amazing is the Marlins GM, Kim Ang, said that the Corey Dickerson injury forced them to call up Jesus Sanchez sooner than they wanted to. I don't really understand that one because Jesus needed to be called up. You need to see what he can do at the major league level. And I'm going to talk about what we've seen from him so far. So as I've mentioned in the past, Jesus Sanchez has some of the best bat speed in the minor leagues. I mean, he puts up some of the best exit velos you will see. And it was put on display when he demolished AAA pitching to a slash line of 349, 400, 643, which is also just ridiculous, with a sub 20% K rate, 171 WRC plus, doesn't walk a lot, 6% K rate in AAA for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Then gets the call up. And so far this year, he's had a little bit of bad luck. He's hit balls right at guys, 294 BABIP. He's hit a lot of balls very hard. But the problem with him is he hits the ball on the ground so much. And for a guy that puts up elite exit velocities, you want to see him hit it in the air a bit more. He did that well in AAA. And it's still probably a little bit higher on the ground ball rate than you'd like to see, but much better than it has been in the past. He was at a 47% ground ball rate. Now, in the major league so far, that ground ball rate is up to 55%. That's not going to work for Jesus Sanchez. It's not really going to work for anybody. He's had a good approach. He's hitting the ball up the middle a lot. He is hitting the ball hard. He's in the top 20%, I believe top 15% in exit velo, and that's great. But if you're hitting it hard straight into the ground, it's only so good uh, for so much. And that's exactly what he's struggling with now. And that's the thing with the major leagues is, as I talked about the adjustment from AA to AAA, which he was finally able to make and was able to be a bit more patient in AAA. But he's always been a super, super aggressive hitter and gets a lot of knocks for his uber aggressive approach that erases hitters counts. He erases hitters counts by swinging at maybe a borderline pitch in a 2-0 count where you maybe just take that and even if it's a called strike, you wait for the next one. You're still in a hitter's count at 2-1. That's just an example. Oftentimes, 
a pitcher will throw a breaking ball 2-0, maybe not even in the strike zone, knowing that he's already predetermining a swing. Things like that, big league pitchers will fully exploit. And that's what's happening a little bit with Jesus Sanchez, but I've seen some improvements in that regard as well. The chase rate's still a bit high at 36%. League average is about 28%. So you'd like to see that improve a little bit more. And this is the problem for him. He doesn't whiff that much still. He keeps the whiff rate down because he's got great bat-to-ball skills and he's got elite bat speed that allows him to catch up to pitches that even if he's fooled, he's able to still catch up to a fastball when he's not looking fastball. That's something that's otherworldly in my opinion. It's really hard to do. He'll get jammed really badly, but it still cuts down the K rate. So you look and you're like, okay, he doesn't strike out too, too much. Although he has K'd a little bit, the major league level, but in the minor leagues never K'd that much, but he would have pitchers get it on his hands and he would have a lot of just B swings at balls. And when you look at the numbers, even so far in the small sample size in the major leagues, what stands out to me is the chase contact because he is making contact with the pitches that he's chasing. He's not chasing and whiffing. The whiff rate's actually below league average, which is good. 21% whiff rate, league average is 24%, but the chase contact rate is nearly 10% above average, which is not great because that means if you're chasing and making contact, odds are you're not hitting the ball well. If it's not in the strike zone, you're probably not going to hit it that well. There's exceptions if you're Vlad Guerrero, who is also just an otherworldly type of guy, and Jesus will get his hits. He'll probably homer on some pitches in his career outside the zone, but he needs to just relax a little bit. He needs to tone it down a little bit, and he needs to get the ball in the air. 55% ground ball rate just is not going to work. It's not going to work. The other side for him is he is not going to have any problems catching up to fastballs, obviously, for all the reasons I just mentioned. You got bat speed, you're not going to have trouble catching up to fastballs. Both his home runs so far this year at the major league level off fastballs. He's hitting 310 off of them this year. He's fine against off-speed too. You know why? Because he can trust his hands. He can trust that he'll adjust to a fastball or changeup. The problem for him has been the breaking ball because as that starts in the strike zone and bites out of the strike zone, he is still pulling the trigger. He's 0 for 14 against the breaking ball with a 35% whiff rate. He's hitting 375 against the off-speed and 310 against the fastballs. So the breaking ball is something that he's going to see more and more of. He's already seeing them 31% of the time, and I expect that to just keep going up. If he's going to continue to wave at these breaking balls or swing at them when they're an inch off the ground, why would you throw him anything else? I'm not throwing that guy a fastball. So that's going to be the thing to watch. I have a belief that Jesus Sanchez will be able to figure it out at the plate. I think he's always going to be a guy that's going to take some swings where you're like, what are you swinging at, man? But that's okay if he's able to stay within himself enough and attack the right pitches that will allow him to tap into that plus plus raw power that he has. He's got 30 home run potential. He's got the ability to not strike out that egregiously. I think he's going to be a guy that may always suffer a bit from a low BABIP because he will take some of those B grade swings at pitches that aren't really strikes and roll over to second base. And I think that's why we see such a high ground ball rate is most of those pitches are pitches he probably shouldn't be swinging at. And if you look at the progression as the season's gone on, he's just seeing less and less fastballs already game to game. So that'll be something to watch. He's an above average runner. He's a pretty good outfielder and he's going to hit the ball as hard as anybody. I mean, by the end of the year, I think that his average exit VLO should be right around the top 10% in the game. So take advantage of that. Hit the ball in the damn air and you'll start tapping into some of that elite power. So 
keep an eye out for him. The sky's the limit for Jesus Sanchez, but he's the only guy that can stop himself from being able to reach that potential. It's really cliche, but it really is true. Nonetheless, he has shown enough for the Marlins to believe that he can hold his own, and I think I've seen enough to believe that he can be the guy for them in the outfield for the rest of the season. So keep an eye there. If you're thinking about trading him, I'd wait a little bit. See how he's doing on your fantasy team if you want to buy his cards. That's another story as well. I am holding some of the cards that I have of his because I just would kick myself if he's able to continuously tap in now to the ridiculous raw tools he has. But he is not a guy that I'm actively going out and buying right now. Uh, I think it's a bit too risky for me. And I know that people have been talking about, talk a little bit more about baseball cards. So I will do that a little bit more moving forward. And that's a vertical that we have on JustBaseball.com as well. But I've just been buying up all of the Brennan Davis, Gabriel Moreno, and Grayson Rodriguez cards I can. And uh, it's been going well so far. So that's a little bit of a look into the portfolio right now of the cards. But some other guys and some other names I'll tell you that I'm investing in that are a little bit more low-key that could turn into some good purchases. So I'll do an episode on that coming up soon. As always, thank you for listening. A lot of fun content ahead with All-Star Weekend coming up, the Futures game, so many interesting things as players start to get closer and closer to getting moved up to the next levels or ultimately the Major League level. Plenty to discuss, and I'm looking forward to doing that with you. I look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow.